Reach God, reach God, reach God. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Ant Live reporting from the 609, as always, back at you with another episode. So I'm just going to get right into it right now. I got a lot to talk about, so this might be a lengthy show. So be prepared, because I got a lot on the menu. I mean, think about everything that's going on in sports right now. Uh, we got the playoffs and the NBA right around the corner. We got both college seasons coming to a close. One actually tonight, which the women's, which is going to be a great game. Great game. We got UConn versus South Carolina. Uh, men's final. Uh, we also have Kansas versus uh, UNC. Um, the draft is approaching. Uh, opening day in baseball is approaching. So we got a lot on the menu. You know, I'm going to touch on a little bit of everything. But I want to start off the show with this. I'm still, if you guys listened to the last episode, you guys heard how frustrated I was. Like, I mean, at that point, which was a good, I think I did my last episode maybe about two weeks ago or something like that, maybe three weeks ago. And at that point, it was the the reports were Ben Simmons is still weeks away from playing you know this was before we heard about the herniated disc and all that and I was a little we don't want to wait weeks and all that but be that as it may I'm still very 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 frustrated you know what I'm saying because now we actually know what's going on and it's frustrating because now we have to wait longer and to be honest with you I don't think Ben Simmons plays at all this season I don't I think they shut him down till next season and then we come back and, you know, he starts off the year next year. So I think that it's kind of like what KD said in his in his post game interview uh, one game. He's like, listen, man, like I've signed here for the next five, five seasons. Of course, you want to get what you can get now, but you also, you know, you you want to build for the future. And I think that they're definitely equipped next year and the year after and the year after to probably be finals favorites. I mean, I'm not even sure what the betting odds are right now, but I don't think that they fell anywhere below, I'll say maybe, I don't know, plus six, seven hundred, you know, maybe eight to one odds, seven to one odds to win the championship. I mean, you still have KD and you still have Kyrie, but I'm frustrated because. The mandate got lifted. And I'm not frustrated because the mandate got lifted. I'm frustrated because everybody, including myself, was praising Kyrie. I mean, on the road, when he was allowed to play in the arena, he was virtually the best player on the planet in those games. I mean, you got to think. For three straight games, he dropped 50, 60, and 53. I think in like three straight games of playing on the road. But the difference now is that now that the mandate is lifted, I'm not sure that Kyrie is actually in shape because now you don't get to sit out for three, three to four to five games in between your games. Now you have to play every other day or every day sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think that his legs are under him as as well as it looked when he was playing in, you know, being a part time player. I mean, you got to look at his percentages over the last, what, four or five games? Kyrie is shooting below 30%. I mean, don't quote me on that. I mean, I think that maybe it might be about 32, 33. But, I mean, for instance, take the game last night versus the Atlanta Hawks. Um, He goes out there. He goes 10 for 30. Now, you would think 
if it was part-time Kyrie and he shot 10 for 30, which is very bad. But if he shot 10 for 30, you would expect him to have about 50 to 60 points. The dude had 31 points on 30 shots. Not great. Since the mandate has been lifted, I think that Kyrie is struggling because he's not really in shape. See, a lot of people looked at him being part-time player like, oh, how is he doing this? You know, coming back, dropping 50, 60 when he's not in rhythm. Well, you got to think. He's got fresh legs. He's got fresh legs every single game he played. So, while KD and the rest of the team might have played two days ago, Kyrie might have not played all week. So he was fresh. Now, I do think that Kyrie does, you know, get, you know, back in rhythm uh, over the next couple games. Because uh, don't quote me on this either, but I think that we have about maybe five to seven games left in the regular season. Um, the loss last night and the loss the last previous couple games have hurt. Have hurt. Now I don't think that we're gonna fall out of the play-in, but I do think that we we have the chance to be compromised in the play-in. Now hear me out. Without Ben Simmons, and even with Ben Simmons to a degree, I do think that our perimeter defense is very lackadaisical. I think it's extra. Like if you you gotta look at the three-point percentages that we allow team by team. Like we're allowing teams to shoot over forty percent from three. And you got to look at the teams that we could potentially be playing in the play-in. You got an Atlanta. They got shooters all over the place. You got Charlotte. They can get hot for a game. Cleveland, not so much shooter-wise. So, I mean, if you want me to be honest, that's the team I honestly think we're going to have. We're, we're, uh, I, I would want to play just based off of, you know, I think that we're a bad matchup for them. But I think that the Hawks and the Hornets are a bad matchup for us. We struggle to guard perimeter shooters or any guards on the perimeter. I mean, you got to think like even the game versus Detroit a couple of games back. Like, yeah, we won the game, but we basically were losing the game all game because we were struggling to to guard people like Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. So you got to think like Atlanta having Trey Young, of course, uh, Bogdanovich, Herter, Hunter. Um, they can all shoot the three. Uh, Charlotte, you got Bridges, who's an improved three-point shooter. Lamelo Lamelo Ball, also an improved three-point shooter. Gordon Hayward, that they just are getting back, who's just now healthy, he's a good three-point shooter. On top of Terry Rozier, so you got threats all over the place from three. Is what I'm saying. And our perimeter defense all season long has not been great, but definitely over the last stretch of about 10 to 15 games our perimeter defense has has been very 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 subpar very subpar i think that the ben simmons addition will help but again i still don't think with his herniated disc and i'm gonna also question the like i, I got a question for ben simmons it's like do you really love the game of basketball and, and, and i gotta be honest with you with this question like i'm gonna elaborate like I think that he's young. Now, don't get me wrong. Like He's very young. He's, I think, no older than about 25, 26. But you see him on the sideline at the games. You see him cheering his teammates on, being a good teammate. But look at the way he's dressed every single game. 
He's dripped out. He's got the shades on. He's got the Louis V on. He's always matching head to toe. What I'm getting at is that I think that he's more in love with the lifestyle that being an NBA player allows you to be because, I mean, you're you're rich. You know what I'm saying? He's signed for about close to $40 million a year. You know what I'm saying? So he's able to afford basically any type of wardrobe he wants. And he looks always very dripped out. And I'm just going to say it. I think he's immature. Um, And this is no slight on KD because I think that this is the only thing that he lacks. KD's not really a great leader. Neither is Kyrie. So who's the really the leader on that team to like set the example for him? Like, listen, man, like we need you on the court because I think that would have been Simmons on the court that helps your perimeter defense out a lot. Doesn't help you offensively. Like I said, I don't think that he's going to go out there. I think that. Ben Simmons' best numbers for us, he could probably average about 20 points. He could probably average 20 points, 10 and 10, to be honest. Like, I think that he can get 10 assists, and I think that he can get 10 rebounds. You know what I'm saying? So I think that he can basically average a triple-double for us, and that would be at his very best. But to be realistic, I think that his numbers will be around 12 to 14 points, you know, 7 to 8 assists. Um, and about seven to nine rebounds a game. Um, and that's not bad, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, like, I don't think, I just think that his perimeter defense allows you, because if you look at the, if you look at the way the Nets play defense, they switch a whole lot. They switch, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm a little worried about the Nets going into the playoffs. Um, looking at the top teams that we might have to play, let's say we get to the eighth seed, right? Um, we're probably going to have to get matched up against the Milwaukee and it's not a good matchup for us. Um, now the heat, I'm not so worried about, and I don't mean to disrespect the Miami heat, but I just don't think that they have enough firepower on offense to, to go against the Nets, to beat the Nets four times in a seven game series. I just don't see it. Um, Jimmy Butler is a great player, great defender, not really a great score, you know what I'm saying? And you're going to be relying on guys like Tyler Hero, who's probably to walk away six man in the year, and Duncan Robinson to be your shot makers. And I mean, they're very capable, but like in a seven game series, um, I like the matchup, you know, with Miami. Um, Boston, that's another one. Like, I'm not sure we beat Boston. Boston's got continuity. Um, now, Robert Williams is a very, very big loss, but I mean, there's, hey, you never know. He could come back first week of the playoffs or something. I mean, they got two good athletic wings like that are have finally, I guess, figured out how to coexist with each other. I mean, because for a while they were talking about trading Jalen Brown, but now you, you got Tatum and Brown that basically is dropping 30 points apiece like the last 10 games. Like, so... And they're peaking at the right time. And they're already a top three defensive team in the league. So you got athletic guards. You got three and D guards who play that at an elite level with Tatum and Brown. And then you still have Marcus Smart. You still have guys like Peyton Pritchard who can, you know, give you problems defensively as well. So and then when Robert Williams come back, he's a, he can clog the middle up. So. I would be a little worried about the the Boston Celtics. Philadelphia, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go back to the same point with the Heat. Like, I think their starting lineup is great. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
But I just think it comes down to like their lack of depth. Um, I remember a couple games ago, I think the starters might have had like 120 points. And I think the bench probably combined for less than 10 points. Like they don't really have anybody coming off the bench that scares you. Now, they're, if they're clicking on offense and they're, and they're starting five in the play, because you know starting fives in the playoffs play about 30 to 40 minutes a game every game anyway. So they're going to have their start line about there a lot. But I, I, I think that in that series, I think that it, you're, you're going to see a lot of KD and Kyrie basically doing what they did the last time they played it because I feel like that that's a rival now. You know what I'm saying? And it's definitely going to be a rival going into next season when Ben Simmons is actually healthy and actually playing. Um, this season, not so much. Um, but at the same time, like I, I feel a little comfortable that we'd be able to beat Philadelphia in in a seven game series. Who else? Who else is there? Chicago. Hmm. So I mean, if you want me to be honest, like the teams that I'm worried about the most is Milwaukee, Boston, and this might be a, a, a surprise to you, but Atlanta. You can't count out Atlanta because they have, in my opinion, Atlanta is like the the Eastern Conference um, Utah Jazz. It's got a whole bunch of shooters who like to play together. They're very well coached. And just last season, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, be that as it may, for whatever reason, you can throw out there, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's the fact that I'm going to stick to. So you can't count a team out like that. So those are the three teams that I'll be the most worried about. But Ben Simmons, he's got to get on the court, man. He has to get on the court. I don't care if he comes back. For the last two games of the season, the uh, two games of the regular season, just to get like, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, rhythm under him going into the playoffs. But something's telling me something's telling me that I just don't think that he plays. Maybe not until the playoffs. And if he's not playing when we start the playoffs or even the play in, I don't think he plays at all. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um and that compromises us, like I said, because now you got KD and Kyrie that have to actually lock in on defense. I mean, because you can see, like, when when they would when they're engaged on defense, they're both elite defenders. It's just that they're not always engaged, they're not always guarding the best players because they know they have to put out so much on the offensive end. But moving on, moving on. So Everybody that saw the game last night, which was a great game, by the way, UNC versus Duke. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Nets game. Um, they were both great games. Um, but looking at the UNC and the, and, and Duke game, um, Coach K's last game, um, great career, probably arguably the best college coach of all time. Uh, if not, if he's not the best, he's easily top three. You know what I'm saying? But I have a couple issues with him actually going through with the retirement this year. Um, Coach K, his very, very, very first loss, be that as it may, 50 years ago, was versus UNC. His last home game was versus UNC, and he lost. And the last time he was in the Final Four was versus UNC, and he Loss, And in my opinion, you cannot go out like that. Now, if you look at the rivalry head to head, it's actually 50 wins apiece for both teams going head to head. Like that's the epitome of a rivalry. 
But I just can't see Coach K going out like that. I just can't see him going out like that. Like, now, do I think he do I think he actually unretires? No. I mean, he's been a coach for 50 years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that he goes forward with the retirement and 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 all that. But I just in my opinion, I don't think that he should go out like this. Uh, but that was a great game last night. Uh, Caleb Love has ice in his veins. Um, you can almost tell that when he made that three pointer last night, that was that was actually the dagger because like it, it was a close game. They were going back and forth. Um, and then once Duke got up, I mean, UNC was up one point and then Caleb Love takes that wildly contested three pointer and drops it. Now they're up four. And, you know, the college slot shot clock is 30 seconds. So when it's under a minute in college, that's way different than when it's under a minute in the NFL because you can basically run out half the clock virtually. Um, But it was a good game. I'll say salute to Coach K for for a great career, but in my opinion, you, you just don't go out like that. You give it one more go. And granted, you might lose the UNC again next season. You know what I'm saying? But in my opinion... Well, see, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a two way street. I mean, because if you do go out this year, you did go to the final four. Right. And everybody else's brackets were everybody's brackets were horrible. Like like nobody, no, nobody had a good bracket this year. But one thing I will say about my bracket is that I actually did have UNC and Duke in the final four as a matchup. I had Duke winning, um, but I did have that matchup, that exact matchup uh, in my final four. So, I mean, you know, it's a double-edged sword on if he comes back, how well he would do. Will he get to the Final Four again? We don't know. But I just wouldn't go out like that. Losing to an arch-rival back-to-back games. One is your last game at home, and one is, you know, a game before you would reach the championship, which you would be playing Monday night. <clears throat> so I just, I, I, I just wouldn't go out like that. Um, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Um, you know, just wanted to give Coach K a salute, like I said, to a great career. And just put my two cents in, you know, on on, on how I felt about the retirement after the game. Um, I didn't hear him speak. Um, I'm definitely going to watch that a little later on today. I didn't hear his press conference. I actually fell asleep, <laughs> you know, sitting here, laying here, you know, flipping between two games. You know, I was disappointed that the Nets lost because we actually need these games, you know. And then, you know, I actually had Duke winning in my bracket. So anyway, anyway. So as you guys know, I mean, follow me on Twitter. It's actually Anthony uh, Leary is uh, my Twitter name. And you can uh, follow me at... uh, like I just changed my Twitter handle. Not really sure what it is. I think it's Aunt Leary NJ or Aunt Leary 609, one of the two. But basically what I'm getting at is that I follow a lot of my teams on Twitter because like for me, Twitter is like the news. Like you find out everything first on Twitter, especially as far as sports goes. Like once it's tweeted out, it's basically real. You know, it's like the news for me and for most people. So, you know, I follow a lot of the Steelers, you know, Beat writers, um, reporters, you know, the actual Steelers page. And there's a lot of people that are talking about Tyron Matthew to Pittsburgh. Now, the addition of Miles Jack to Pittsburgh, I think, is very, very great. 
I'm not mad at us signing Mitchell Trubisky. I think that Mitchell Trubisky has a lot to prove. Um, you guys go back to that draft. Everybody knows the two quarterbacks that he went against. I mean, he went before, and he's not better, even close to being better than either one of them, that being Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So I don't think that he's ever going to prove that he's was supposed to get picked where he was. But I think that him being in a better organization with better weapons, similar defense. He didn't have a bad defense in Chicago. He's got a good defense. He's got a better defense in Pittsburgh, but he's always had a defense. He's got better weapons in uh, Pittsburgh on the receiver, and he's got a better running back. Um, offensive line, we'll see, because I we, we did a lot of spending. I'll say that on the offensive line. A lot of spending. We're very young, um, but uh, I, I, I got to see it. You know what I'm saying? I got to see it. So I'm hearing a lot of i uh, seen a lot of tweets like almost every day about Tyron Matthew going to the Steelers. And would I be ecstatic? Yes. I mean, you got to think. Um, Joe Hayden's not there anymore. Our cornerbacks have been extremely compromised, which we're never really, we never really are great at cornerback anyway. Like we really had safeties. Like when we had Ryan Clark and Troy Palomalu, like now we got Minka Fitzpatrick. And I mean, Terrell Edmonds is no scrub. Like, I think that if you can get a player like Tyron Matthew, you obviously get him. But I don't think that that's a slight at Terrell Edmonds. Like, he's a, he's a good. It's kind of like Ryan Clark. Like, Ryan Clark wasn't great. He was next to Troy Palomalo. So it was like he looked a lot better than he actually was. And I think the same thing goes for Terrell Edmonds, right? But if I'm Tyron Matthew, I kind of don't understand why you wouldn't go to Pittsburgh, right? And I'm not, I know I sound like a homer and I sound like a fan and you guys might be saying like, of course, you know, you can make a case for him to go to any team. You could, right? But I think that there's a handful of teams for me, if I'm a safety, because you got to look at the rest of the defense around you. You also got to look at the division around you, who you're going to be going against, right? So I think that a couple, a couple places actually make sense. He could be next to Buda Baker. That would be great. Even though they play the same position, he could just be a free safety instead of a strong safety. But I think that Pittsburgh makes the most sense because you have a good free safety. You have Minka Fitzpatrick next to you. So then it would be you and Minka, which would arguably be the best safety duo in the league. I mean, only other team that could possibly make a case would be the Bills, in my opinion. Like as a duo, I mean, they have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. But as a duo, I think Mika Fitzpatrick and Tyron Matthew will be better. So it's not just it's not just there though. So then you look at the front seven. Our front seven has been solidified now with the pickup of Miles Jack and also the signing of Brian Flores, which I think is going to be crucial for the development of Devin Bush. Because everybody remembers we actually traded up a couple couple drives back to get Devin Bush. And he has not been great. He hasn't been great to say the least. Um, and I think that Brian Flores' track record with linebackers basically speaks for itself. You know, um, he, he gets the most out of his linebackers. So I think that he's going to help develop him. But just having T.J. Watt and the addition of Miles Jack along with Cam Hayward, like our front seven is arguably one of the is top five in the league. Like you can put them next to Buffalo now with Von Miller. Of course, the Rams with Bobby Wagner. Um, Chargers, like, I mean, you, you know, um, Raiders. So, I mean, there's a lot of good front sevens in the league, but you can, you, you can put the Steelers in there. I just don't see why he wouldn't come to the Steelers. It's 
it's almost a no-brainer. You got a first-class organization um, as far as the, the, the way we, we, we carry ourselves as an organization. We don't really make too many mistakes as far as players. Uh, we draft high-character players. We don't miss on receiver. We're probably arguably the best team that drafts receivers out there. Um, you'd be a part of a great defense, a great culture, great coaching staff. For me, it kind of makes the most sense for him to come. But you guys can tell me. Hey, let me know. Where where do you think he should go? You know what I'm saying? Where do you think he should go? Like I said, I, I'm not ruling out him being great on most teams. I mean, you add a player like that to almost any team, it gets slightly better. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't add a player like that to any roster and say you got worse. That's what I'm getting at. But I think you add a player like that to, to the Pittsburgh's defense with that coaching staff, with that culture, I mean, and you got to think in a division, like it's good. We we have a good division, but I mean, as far as receivers go, the only team you really got to worry about, as far as collection goes, is the Bengals. Ravens don't really have great receivers. Uh, the Browns they have a great receiver in Amari Cooper, but I mean, that's really it. I mean. Who else is out there? I mean, you got Njoku. I know you got Rashad Higgins and Peoples. Like, we get all that. But, like, that ain't putting no fear in nobody's hearts. Like, it ain't like the AFC uh, West with all those receivers out there. So you don't really have to worry about too much in the division except for the Bengals, who, like I said, in my opinion, have the best trio in the league. But that's another argument for another time. <clears throat> So I'm wondering what the Steelers are also going to do at quarterback. Because now, I mean, at first it was Malik Willis. Most of the mock drafts had us picking Malik Willis. But it's the same thing every single season. And what I mean by that is everybody jumps out the window for quarterbacks. No matter what year of the draft it's, it's been, there's always been a quarterback or two or three that people have jumped for and reached for. So if you mean to act like... The quarterback talent this year is not off the charts. Like nobody is the presumption. Like nobody's going number one in my opinion. But after number one, you almost you know you almost got to bank on the quarterback basically going top ten. Now out of the three quarterbacks out there, or four quarterbacks, you know Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Corral, and Pickett. I'd rather Malik Willis out of all of them. I just don't think that he's going to be there at 20. So then I'm looking at the top 10 of the draft, like, <coughs> excuse me, and the order it's in. Um, there's a couple teams that are interesting, right? I think Malik Willis goes eight. I think he goes eight to the Atlanta Falcons, but I think that that leaves room for the Steelers because the Steelers could then trade up with the Giants, who for some reason still believe in Daniel Jones, and I'm fine with that. Let them believe what they believe. Meaning that they might be willing to trade their pick. And same thing that goes with Atlanta. If they don't take him, then we can trade up to 10 with the Jets. Because we know the Jets aren't taking a quarterback. They just picked up uh, Zach. They picked up Zach Wilson, second overall last year, who nobody's really sold on. But, you know, you give him another year, you know, under his belt, never know what happens. I mean, he's got a strong arm. I mean, the last couple games of the season, he didn't look horrible like he did the first half of the season. So he got better as the season wore on. 
Um, I think the draft's going to be real interesting. The number one pick, I'm still not sure. It's a very, very deep cornerback draft. It's a very, very deep uh, wide receiver draft. Not too much uh, quarterback, not too much pass rushers. I mean, you got Thibodeau, who at the beginning of the season was, to, was supposed to go number one. I think Aiden Hutchinson has taken that over. I think Thibodeau might drop as far as five. I like Sauce Gardner a lot. I still like Derek Stingley Jr. a lot. I mean, if you guys looked at his freshman tape, if they allowed that man to go from being a freshman to going to the draft, he probably goes top three overall. His freshman tape was crazy. It's just that he got hurt and he struggled to get back to where he was. So I still think he's a top 10 corner. But you got Sauce Gardner. You also got Kyle Hamilton, the safety from uh, Notre Dame. So it's a lot of good names in this draft. It's a really a lot of good names in this draft. Oh, so touched on the NFL, touched on college basketball, touched on my nets. Um, I do think. I have a sleeper team this year, too, for the NFL, in case anybody wants to know. It's the Dolphins. It's the Dolphins this year. I think that Tua does take another leap forward. I don't think Tua is a bad quarterback. I think that you can win with Tua. I don't think that you win because of Tua, but I think that you can win with Tua, especially with the addition of Tyreek Hill, with the addition of Raheem Mostert, and with the addition of Jalen Waddle by drafting him last year. You now have three of the... 10 fastest players in the league on your roster. You get them the ball in space, get them to make some plays with their legs. You never know. You never know. Um, So moving on to baseball now and my New York Nets. Here we go again is all I'm going to say to that is here we go again. DeGrom is hurt yet again. For all y'all that don't know, and if you watch just a smidgen of baseball, you do know, DeGrom could arguably be the best pitcher ever. But you know why he, he's kind of like Anthony Davis in a way. Like I think if Anthony Davis stayed healthy and played 65, 70 games every year, we'd probably be talking about him as the best big man in the game. Same with DeGrom. If he played and started 25, 30 starts a year, he'd be the best pitcher ever. But he's hurt yet again. And we added Max Scherzer during the offseason. Great addition. Do I think he's a little past his prime? Maybe. Still a great pitcher? Yes. He's hurt. Oh. <sighs> Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? Why? I think the Mets are the clear-cut favorite to win the NL East. But you're not going to win the NL East without your two aces. You're just not. Who's our opening day pitcher? Should be Max Scherzer. But I don't know if he's going to be, if he's going to be uninjured. Now all of a sudden he's hurt. DeGrom, four weeks. When's it going to stop? When is it going to stop? That's all I ask. When is it going to stop? We finally got a good manager. 
Got Rojas out the building. Lineup is still solid. The addition of Sterling Marte, who had an off year last year, but he's a great defender, very fast. And he, even though he had an off year and only hit 12 home runs, he hit over 300. He had about, his batting average was about 316. On base percentage was good. So we get a base runner, somebody who can hit for contact, and a great defender. On top of having Lindor, who I think is an MVP candidate this year, along with Pete Alonso, who might actually win the home run crown this year. Um, pitching, pitching, pitching. So I'm really, really, really anxious to see what happens with my Mets this year. It's going to be a tough year. I don't think this is Jacob DeGrom's only injury. I think that he does what he does every year. Starts about 20 games, has about, you know, 12, 13 wins because the team never hits when he plays. And, you know, we might make a wild card. But if we had Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer healthy starting the season, I feel like we walk away with the pennant. Can't always get what you want. Can't always get what you want. And for me, it's like the same old song all the time. So I'm going to end it right there. And thanks for sticking around. Again, this is Reach God. You can follow me on Twitter at Aunt Leary and Jay. If that doesn't work, it's Aunt Leary 609. But regardless, I'm out.